Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the message today. Um, we are talking about who am I? Amen. And this morning I want to share kind of a foundation word with you uh, because we kind of got backwards last week. <clears throat> um, and so I want to share kind of my heart for this series and give you a foundation because I, I, I really believe it's going to help us. And so this morning we're talking about who am I, but I want you to understand this, that you are the difference maker. You are the difference maker. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are, that's weak, you are the difference maker. And so the reason I'm saying that and I want to lay this foundation is that I, I look at it and many times there's two positions of thought that I believe, number one, has caused the church to be a nominal factor in answering the times of today and yet is responsible for the times we live in today. All right? So two schools of thought. Number one is, is that we've become a nominal influence. We've been that way. And when we look at the times of today, we're also the ones responsible for them. And you say, no, 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 Pastor Rob, that's the world's fault. No, not in this nation. It's something that we've got to look into ourselves. Amen. And so we look at it and we say, well, Pastor Rob, you know, the world we live in, well, you know, that's God's responsibility. Right? That's what that's, anybody ever said that? You don't have to raise your hand, but, you know, but that's God's, that's God's deal. That's God's, the, the, everything that happens, it must be God. That's God's responsibility. And then the second thought is, is what can I possibly do about it? What can I do in the grand scheme of things? What, what, what difference is my life going to make to change the world in which I live to have an impact? And the thought on those is, is that God is God, so he's responsible. God is in control. You know, he's God, he's responsible. And then the other side of that, that we look towards ourselves and say, I am not responsible because I am only a man, I'm only a person, and I am not fill in the blank, or I am to fill in the blank. And we line our life with excuses of why we can't make a difference. Why my life is not going to have the impact, and, 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 you know, that's somebody else. It's somebody else's responsibility. Pastor, that's your responsibility. No, that, that's on God. That's his responsibility. And I'm going to show you from the word today, we're going to answer that. Amen. We're going to answer that from the word today. So, until I realize that, yes, God is God, but he cannot do what he needs to do without his church. He cannot do what he needs to do until we realize that there's a cooperation that is necessary and vital to the purpose of God being carried out, the will of God being done in the earth. Amen. Until we realize that, then we'll never have the fullness of God's purpose and blessing in our lives. And until we realize who we are in Christ, we will always find ourselves on the side of, I am not blank enough, or I am too blank. Until you know who you are in Christ, there will always be something you can fill in those blanks with. 
There'll always be something in your life that you can fill in the blanks and say and use it as a reason why you cannot be who God wants you to be. And God says that his grace is sufficient. He says we're more than a conqueror. And so we need to answer that. We need to understand what God's saying and what he wants to declare in our life. So turn over to Judges chapter 6. Give you a second to get over there. And I want to share with you this morning the story of a man named Gideon. A man named Gideon. If you've been in church, then you've heard about Gideon. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard about him. If not, you may not have. But I want to talk to you, and that's going to be our foundation passage, even for this series on Who Am I? So let's jump in verse 11. And let's see what the word says. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where uh, are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian, Do I not send you, or have I not sent you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So we're picking up here, and we see this young man named Gideon, and and. This is a young man, he's actually the first of, uh, of the, the, the judges or the first of the prophets that you actually are going to encounter. And so uh, outside of Abraham and the others, okay? And so we look at Gideon and this is what's happened. The children of Israel have been besieged. You know, that's, that's just a big way of saying they've been um, um, taken over, okay, by several tribes and and, and they all are up under the name of the Midianites. They've stolen their vineyards. They've stolen their livestock. They've taken control of their country. Now listen to me and stay with me. They, and they are oppressing the Israelites to where they can't function. They no longer have access to the wine to be able to have wine, I, I don't mean that under today's standard, but that was part of, part of who they were. They didn't have access to do the things that they used to do. They are being covered and they're being oppressed. And Gideon is in a wine press, which is like a hole in the ground, or up inside a rock where they would press out the grapes, and he's trying to thresh wheat. And normally when you thresh wheat is you would be out in the open to where the wind would blow because you would throw the, the, the wheat and the chaff up and the wind would separate the chaff and the wheat would fall to the ground. But he's in a wine press and he's having to do all that himself. 
He's working twice, three times, four times as hard to get a little bit of wheat separated. And he's doing it, the Bible says, to hide from the Midianites. He's hiding from those that have taken over his country, taken over the nation of Israel. And what happens is, is that he encounters this angel that shows up and the angel says, it says the angel appeared to him in verse 12. It says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying that did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And I believe right now that this is a picture of the modern day church. I believe you can look at this and see this as a, uh, if you will, as a prophetic picture of where the church is. And if not here right now and where we are, you could at least say that in the land of California. To where the church there is having to meet underground in some places. It's a fact. And they're meeting different nights of the week in different places and, and parking over here and walking through here in order to hide it. And their neighbors are calling and turning them in. That, that's in America. We're not talking about China. We're not talking about in a communist nation or in a socialist nation, which is where you will always find that. We're talking about in America, and that's happening. And so Gideon and the children of Israel are hiding out because everything they had had already been taken. So what little they still have, they're hiding in order to take care of their people. And the angel of the Lord shows up and calls him a mighty man of valor. He's answering for Gideon who God says he is. The position you find yourself in today, where you find yourself, does not dictate who God says you are. It may be where you've chosen to be, but it does not determine who God says you are. So no matter where you are today, what you're going through, what you're dealing with, it is not an indication of who God necessarily says you are. And it's subject to change. It's subject to change. The angel didn't ask Gideon, who are you? The angel answered the question. And I believe with all my heart that God, he's been doing it from the beginning and he's certainly been doing it since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he's been answering the question in our lives of who we are through his word of saying, this is who you are. This is how I see you. This is what I have for you. This is what I've declared for you. And so the angel is there and he's declaring to Gideon who he is. And that question of who am I for Gideon and for every other person has been answered from the foundation of the world. 
It's already been answered. Psalms 139, 16 says, he says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. You see, God's already written the book about you. He's already written what he has for you. He's not writing maybe what you are experiencing. He has his own book that he's written about you. He's got his own biography that he's written for your life. And it's up to you and I whether we live that biography or we live an autobiography. And when I live the autobiography, that is a biography written by the author of their own self, then I'm the one determining the days of my life. But if I live the biography that he's written for me, then I will walk in the days that he's determined and declared for my life. And he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. A man of valor. We don't use that word anymore. You know, we, we settle for cool and hip and, and, and stuff like that. But a mighty man of valor was, was a man of might, a man of strength, a man of conviction, a man of honor. And he's saying that not just about men. He's saying that about people, about you. That you and I are people. We are mighty men and women of God. We're not menial men and women of God. We're not little, little quiet and, and weak and, 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 and uh, you know, in a place where we, we can't do anything. That's not who we are. We are mighty men and women of God that we have a say over our life and not only over our own life, but over the nation and the world in which we live. The second thing that he tells him is he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The secret to Gideon's might was not Gideon's own strength or his own wisdom or his own training. The secret to Gideon's success would be that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And we quote the scripture, if God be for me, who can be against me? The problem is, is we don't really know what it means sometimes when God says, I'm with you. We still rest in our own strength and our own ability. Listen to what Isaiah 41.10 says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise of God for your life. That's the promise of God for my life. So the angel shows up, and here's Gideon in the wine press, hiding out, afraid, and he says, you're a mighty man of valor. And he says, the reason you're a mighty man of valor is because God is with you. God is with us. Listen to what the Word says, Matthew 28, 18. It's the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, like don't forget, this is important. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Come on, you can give Jesus a clap for that. He said, listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I've defeated the enemy. I've overcome for you. And I've given you an assignment. And by the way, I'm not just giving you the assignment, but I'm going to be with you always to the end of the earth. Isn't that good news? Thank you, Miss Linda. She's getting excited over there. And then the third thing I want you to see is the angel said, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Listen, God already made plans for Gideon to succeed. God's already made plans for your success. Not necessarily the way you dream it up in your mind's eye. You know what I'm saying? Maybe... You know, having a yacht, sitting on the beach, drinking some Coronas, enjoying life. That, that, that's not my idea of success. That's not God's idea of success. Right? That's the world's idea. Isn't it? Man, you've, you've reached success when you can, you know, go sit by the seaside, pop open some beers and enjoy the sunset. You know, that's success. No, that's not. Success is that I obeyed God and God did through me what he wrote about me before I was born and I helped build the kingdom of God. That's success for my life. And that is where you find the ultimate joy and purpose and fulfillment is in the success of God. If alcohol sitting on the beach was all we needed then we'd be living in a whole different world. But how many of you know that's not an answer? I know I'm harping on that, but it's because they can't show you smoking a joint on the beach watching a sunset. We've got more people depressed today than ever. We've got more people hooked on pornography than ever. We've got things going on that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to face, we don't want to admit to because we don't know who God says we are. And so now I'm a porn addict. Now I'm an alcoholic. Now I'm depressed. Now I'm oppressed. Now I'm without a job. Now I'm divorced. Are you hearing me? And we've labeled ourselves with these things. I'm broken. I'm too hurt. I'm offended. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Everybody owes me something because I've been victimized. The problem is, is you can't be a victim and be a victor at the same time. It's not possible. You have to choose. And you can choose to remain a victim all your life. Our churches are actually, homes are filled with victims of churches. Thinking that because I got hurt and got offended, maybe somebody did say something ugly about you. But they said ugly stuff about Jesus all the time. 
but it didn't stop him. Anyway, he said, have I not sent you? Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. As long as the climate of, of, of your nation, as long as the climate of your circumstances is okay and, and, and you can work it out in your schedule and, and you can fit it into your time, then go and make disciples. Is that what the word says? Did he give any qualifications other than being a disciple? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15, he says, and he said to them, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to men. We've been sent. You are a sent one. That's who you are. You are a mighty man or woman of valor. You are a sent one. You are called by God to be a carrier of his glory and his word and his presence, and you are called to make a difference in the world in which you live. That's who God says you are. And then the last one, it is my responsibility. And, and, and I look at this passage and you read it, and the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's in the wine press and he's, <laughs> you talking to me? You know, you know, doing his wheat thing? You talking to me? mighty man of valor? You talking to me? And so many times we're saying that we're, now listen to me, I'm just being real with you. We're, we're on the computer and we're watching porn and God's saying you're a mighty man of valor. You, you mean me that's addicted to this? We're at home, and, and we've had a little too much to drink. We've gone out and, 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 quote, had a good time so that I can really kind of wash away the cares of my life. And God's saying, you're mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, who me? We're fighting with our spouses because we've been stuck at home with them. We're not. We're empty nesters. We're on our second honeymoon. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> we're sitting at home wondering, is life worth living? I have no desire to do anything. We're sitting at home looking at our nation, watching the news, and God's saying, mighty men of valor, you can do something about that. You, you, you're talking to me? My responsibility. I'm going to show you because it's written right here. Listen to what he says. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, please, my Lord. He's respectful. And he says, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. 
And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. So here's Gideon in there, and he's doing his threshing thing, and the angel shows and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's first response is, If, if I'm a mighty man of valor, if God is even with us, then why am I right here doing this? Where's all the miracles? Where's the power? Where's all the things that that, that my parents told me about back in their day? Where's all the, the good old days of the church? Like, 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 for some reason, God stopped doing something. God told him straight up. He said, listen, Israel, if you walk away from me, then the Midianites, the, the, your enemies are going to devour you. <laughs> so Gideon was where he was because he didn't know who he was. He was where he was because he didn't know who he was. He had forgotten, or nobody told him that he was a mighty man of valor. Somebody may have told him, you're, you're too young, so you need to go hide out and, and go get us some wheat. Gideon, you're, you're, you're not capable. And not only that, but Gideon's dad is the one who's in charge, and they've built an altar to Baal, and they've begun to worship the God of their enemies. Listen, and some of you may not like this, but some of you are worshiping the God of Fox News. And you give more credence to what they tell you than you do to what's written in the Word. Some of you are worshiping other things in this life. And you're giving more credence to the things of this life than you are to what the word of God says. You see, it wasn't God's fault. It was that Gideon's parents didn't take responsibility. And so the angel didn't blame him. He didn't get on to him and say, Gideon, well, man, if you would have done this and you're just this terrible kid and you're this and you're that, he didn't say that. He just said, let me just remind you, this is what God says. This is who God says you are. Now go in this might. And you know what Gideon did? He stepped up and he said, yes, sir. And you know what he did? The first assignment that he gave Gideon was to restore proper worship. He went and he tore down the altar of Baal, and then he used the wood of that altar to build an altar to sacrifice to the Lord on and restore worship in the land. You see, there's just something about determining who you're going to worship that directs everything else. It's it's, it's knowing the the person of Jesus Christ that I worship that's going to help keep everything else in perspective because I'm going to bow down to whatever is on that altar in my life. 
and I can bow down to depression. I can bow down to strife. I can bow down to anger. I can bow down to poverty. I can bow down to being a victim. I can bow down to being offended. I can bow down to all these things in life. I can bow down to too busy. I could bow down to my house. I'd rather be working on my house on the weekend than being in the house. I can bow down to sports. Doesn't matter what it is. But I want you to know this morning that God's calling you higher. Because he's already written. And I want to tell you something. The biography that he's written for your life is amazing. The biography that he's written for you is amazing. It's incredible what he has for you, what he desires for you, what he wants to do through you, what he has in store for you. But you got to be willing to let him begin to declare who you are and quit letting your past declare who you are. You'll never be a victim of your future. You can only be a victim of your past. But I found out if I'll quit looking backwards and I'll begin to look forwards, then I don't have anything to hold me victim. I just don't choose not to look there. I glance back every now and then. I thank God for what he's done, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus and I'm keeping my eyes on my future. Last thing that I want to leave you with, and I'll close. Basically, the angel turned to Gideon in Gideon's mess, in their, their, their bondage, and he turned to Gideon and he said, Gideon, why don't you go and do something about it? Isn't that what he said? Go in this might of yours. Why don't you go and do something about it? Because you're a mighty man of valor, and the Lord is with you. And God is saying that to each and every person. I don't care what the, the other excuses are. I don't care where you are in that. I don't mean that I don't care about you. I'm just saying that that's not, that, that, that doesn't have to have the say. The final say in your life is who God says you are, and it's time to do something about it. And I've heard this, well, I just can't do that. Well, let me just remind you of another scripture, Philippians 4.13. Amplified, it's my favorite version of this. I have strength for all things. In Christ who empowers me, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for, I am equal to anything and everything that comes my way through Christ. Through who I am in Christ. And that's who you are. Amen. You're not an addict. You're not a divorcee. You're not just depressed. You're not too broken. Come on. That's not who you are. 
You see, I, as a young man, there were things that I had to deal with. And pornography was one of them when I was younger, when I was little. And, and, and I had to face it. And what I had to begin to do is say, that's not who I am. This is who God says I am. And when I began to declare who God says I was, that broke who the enemy says I was, who my past says I was, who my generational influence says I was. So every time you face that, you can say, that's not who I am. That is not who I am. That may be who the devil says I am, who this world tries to say, but that's not who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. That's who I am. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Come on. You can give Jesus a hand. Bow your heads with me. We have a say. We have a say in life. Because God already has a say. All I'm doing is coming into agreement with what God has already said. And that's where the power lies. The power doesn't lie just in me being disciplined, even though that's important. But the power doesn't lie in me just getting my act together. The power doesn't lie in me just dealing with this. Well, I'll just, when I get through this, when I get over this, when I stop doing this, then I'll, no, no, that's not how God works. As Emily said last Sunday, as we've said before, God's not afraid of your mess because he's already got victory over it and he's already called you to victory over it and he's already given you the victory over it. He's just waiting on you to look and to realize it and that to come alive in you.